good morning, Frontline family. Welcome to everyone in the house, as well as those joining us online. It is really my privilege to be with you all this morning as we get into God's Word together, and as we allow God's truth to infiltrate and shed light on the areas of our lives that need correction and direction, church, as well as the inspiration and confirmation that we need from a loving God who wants the very best for our lives and confirms in His Word that He comes on this journey of life with us and He will never leave us nor forsake us. That's the God that we serve and that's the God that we will be exposed to in the Word this morning. So let's prepare our hearts as we commit this time to the Lord in prayer. Would you pray with me? Father God, we come to you this morning in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. We commit this time and this word to you, and we ask that through your word we would be shifted to think differently and act differently as Christians, and that we would take this word and apply it to our lives. Lord, as we continue in Acts chapter 8 today, we thank you for the examples that you have given us in the Bible of believers who stepped out in boldness to lead others to Christ. And Lord, we ask that you would show us today what it means to be Christians that would do the very same thing when presented with a similar opportunity. We ask this all in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Well, church, it's a a great privilege to be with you this morning and to preach the Word of God to you. And today we move into part two of Acts chapter 8. In part one of Acts 8, we spoke about the dangers of counterfeit Christianity. We looked at the type of faith that does not save, as was illustrated by Simon the sorcerer. Remember, we spoke about the fact that not all belief is saving belief. But this week, church, we look at the type of faith that does save as illustrated by an Ethiopian eunuch, which we'll read about shortly. And what's interesting here, church, is that in both cases, Philip is the key instrument of God. God uses one messenger, but in one instance, a counterfeit faith was exposed, and in the other instance, a true desire to have an authentic relationship with the one and only true God. By the way, the Philip that we're speaking about here in Acts chapter 8 is one of the men of good reputation chosen along with Stephen the martyr in Acts chapter 6. And he was one of the non-Israeli Jews chosen by the people to provide service and leadership to the church after a complaint arose about the Hellenistic widows not getting their fair share of food supplies and resources. He was a powerful man, a godly and spiritful man. He was a great preacher and God even did miracles through his life. And Church Philip was the man used by God to lead the first Gentile to the Lord. Right? So he's an important character, this man, an important passage of scripture. But before we get into the text today, I want to ask you an important question. Do you believe that every Christian, that every true believer should lead other or should lead non-believers to Jesus Christ? It's not a trick question because the answer is a resounding yes. 
But the reason I ask this, church, is because many Christians don't. And it may be due to fear of what people may say, especially in our society today. Or maybe you think that is just for evangelists, or maybe you're just indifferent. Right? You're just apathetic to, to that fact. But church, no matter how faithfully you attend, no matter how generously you give, no matter how circumspectly you walk, no matter how eloquently you may teach or how beautifully you sing, if you're not endeavoring to lead men, women, and children to Jesus Christ, you are disobeying God at the most basic level. And I know that may sound a bit harsh, especially if you're running off the God in, in other areas of your life, but this is a command to every Christian. Jesus commanded us in Matthew chapter 28 to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things He says that I have commanded you. And you see, church, God did not save you and I to become members of Christians Anonymous. You and I are to bring others or at least endeavor to bring others to Jesus Christ. We can't all be preachers, but we can all be reachers. And you know, church, 60 years from now, right, most of us will be gone from here. Maybe I'm just speaking for myself, but most of us will be gone from here. 40 years from now, a significant number of us will be gone. Next year, some of us may not be here, right? Only the Lord knows the number of our days. But we're all going to stand before the Lord one day. And we are going to give an account, church, of how many people we have witnessed to, shared our testimony with, and led to the Lord. And that's really what I want us to focus on today as we look at this amazing example in Acts chapter 8 of how Philip leads the first Gentile to the Lord Jesus. So if you've got your Bibles open in Acts chapter 8, let's begin reading in verse 26. This is what it says. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward Gaza, toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. In other words, Philip, leave the revival and go down to a barren place. So he arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority, under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning. And sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. The place in the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before its shearer is silent so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does this prophet say this? 
of himself or some other man. Now here's the key verse, verse 35. Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning in this scripture, preached Jesus to him. Now church, we have a story here, but we have more than a story. We have a pattern to show us, church, how God can use us. And an important principle to remember when we are talking about being used by God, church, is that God never leaves a fully surrendered and cleansed vessel unused. God never leaves a fully surrendered, cleansed vessel unused. You want to be used by God? Would you like to be a witness? Would you like to meet the Lord Jesus Christ one day, bringing your, your sheaves with you? I know you would. So let me lay a few things in your heart this morning that will help us to be used by God in this way, and they're going to come right out of the story. And I want to give you a few points this morning if you take your notes. Number one, church, be obedient to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Be obedient to the leading of the Holy Spirit. You see, from a human point of view, what the Lord told Philip to do didn't really make a lot of sense. He's in this incredibly wonderful revival in Samaria, and God now tells him to leave Samaria and go to Gaza. And God didn't say, Philip, I, I want you to go down there. There's an opportunity just waiting for you. There's a man of great importance that I want you to meet down there and, and lead him to the Lord. God didn't say that. God just said to him, go. You see, church, the Holy Spirit was preparing a divine encounter with Philip and the eunuch. Philip didn't know that. He only knew to be obedient. He only knew to get on the road and God would determine his purpose. And you see, here's the principle. We act, but the Spirit initiates. And what a wonderfully encouraging reality that is. We act, but the Spirit of God initiates. It is evident, church, it is evident as we read this passage that God had already chosen this individual. God had written his name down in the Lamb's Book of Life from before the foundation of the world. That the conversion of this eunuch was in the purpose and plan of God from eternity past as is true of everyone who is saved. The salvation of this single sinner was the very clear purpose of God for Philip's trip, reminding us, church, that the salvation of a single sinner is worthy of God's attention, the dispatching of angels, and the action of the Holy Spirit. And you know what's interesting? According to one of the early church fathers called St. Irenaeus, he wrote about this eunuch, and he said that this Ethiopian became a missionary. And there are certain sections in Africa in which historically groups of Christians claim this eunuch as the founder of their church. Now, that's tradition maybe, right? But perhaps this tradition grew because of a real influence from this man's life. And you see, church, God's ways are often unexplained, and God's ways are often unseen. Philip had no idea of knowing what God had for him to do when he went down there. He did not know what God had for him to do to lead this man, this incredibly important man, to the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And who knows? Just in church, listen, who knows what tremendous opportunities God may have for you and I in the future. And who knows that next individual that you lead to the Lord Jesus Christ, who that may be. You don't know. You don't know, church, what you're doing when you bring someone to Jesus Christ. Just one individual. What is wrapped up in that one individual and what influence they will have for the sake of the gospel. God said to Philip, Philip, leave Samaria, go down here to the desert. And in his obedience, church, he met the man that was going to open up all of North Africa to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so what is this telling us? Church, this is telling us that we need to be obedient to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Let God's Spirit lead you. If you are a follower of the Lord, right? If you are leadable, God has a plan for you to lead somebody else to Him. It's part of God's will. And you know, church, we don't always see the will of God by, by looking over the horizon. We see God's will by looking over our shoulder and saying, thus far the Lord has helped us. I think we can all look back on our life and say, thus far the Lord has helped us. Now here's the second thing I want to say. Number two, react quickly to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Let's have a quick look again at verse 29 and 30. Then the Spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you are reading? Now church, had Philip not run, he would have missed this opportunity on wheels. He had to run to catch this Ethiopian. And you know, he could have had plenty of excuses like, like we do most of the time. He could have rationalized with himself and said, you know what, this man's rich, right? He's a man of great influence. I, I can't speak to him. Or he could have said, you know what, this man is busy reading and I don't want to interrupt him. He could have said, you know what, he's of a, a different race and he's of a different belief. It wouldn't be appropriate for me to approach him. Or you know what, even worse, he might persecute me. He might ridicule me if I share the gospel. But Philip ran. Because church, listen, immediately church, oh, wait, I lost my place, sorry. <laughs> the time was right, but the time was also short. If he didn't act immediately, that opportunity, church, would have been missed. And you see, church, let me say this, opportunities will pass through our fingers if we are not obedient and react quickly to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Here's the third thing. Number three, be steadfast in the leading of the Holy Spirit. Now, church, what is the desire of the Holy Spirit? Do you, know what want, do you want to know what it is? John chapter 15, verse 26 to 27 says, But when the Helper comes, that's another word for the Holy Spirit, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, He will testify of me. And you also will bear witness. When the Holy Spirit has come, 
church, he will testify of me, Jesus said, and you will bear witness. So what is the desire of the Spirit? That you and I share Jesus. Now remember, church, when the eunuch was reading the book of Isaiah, he inquired of Philip to explain it to him. And what did Philip do? He opened up his mouth and he began to preach Jesus to him. He shared Jesus. What is the desire of the Holy Spirit? What is the office work of the Spirit? That we share Jesus. You see, church, it's about Jesus. It's all about Him. In fact, all the sermons in the book of Acts, church, are about Jesus crucified, Jesus risen, and His atoning work unto salvation. All are Spirit-energized testimonies to the truth concerning Jesus Christ. So I just want to warn you a little bit today, church, watch out for too much autobiography in your explanation and your presentation of the gospel. Don't be too caught up in you because you're not the issue. It's wonderful what the Lord has done in your life and you can affirm and declare that. But a clear presentation of Christ is absolutely everything when you share the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what the Apostle Paul did is preach Christ and preach Him crucified. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, do not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. When Philip shared the gospel to, with the eunuch, he took this text in Isaiah and showed how Jesus, the Lamb of God, like a lamb for the slaughter, died upon the cross, took our place on the cross as a substitute because a holy God cannot overlook sin, and so, for, and so therefore that sin had to be paid for. And what a glorious truth that is, amen. We are here today because of that truth. I heard a story a while back about a woman who got saved. And a man who wanted to ridicule her religion said to her, Well, how does it feel to be a saint? And he was being sarcastic. She said to him, You know what? I'm not sure I know what a saint is, but she says, I know this much. I am saved by grace and I'm looking forward to heaven. Oh, he says, You've been saved, have you? You're going to heaven, are you? He laughed at her and said to you, what does it feel like to be saved? She said to you, I don't know if I can explain it to you in a way that you would understand it. But she said, I'll tell you what it feels like to me. It feels like I'm standing in Jesus' shoes and he's standing in mine. And you know what? A theologian couldn't have said it better. Isaiah chapter 53 verse 6 says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him, that is Jesus Christ, the iniquity of us all. Jesus is standing in our place. At church, that, by the way, is the very same chapter that the Ethiopian eunuch was reading. Philip showed him in this scripture that firstly, in order to be saved, we need to realize that we have gone astray. We need to repent of our sins 
And we need to acknowledge the Savior who was led to the slaughter to take our place. And secondly, that salvation is by faith. It's not of works of any kind. It is the gift of God. And we know that Philip preached this way because in Acts chapter 8 verse 36, it says, Now as they went down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? And notice what Philip says here in verse 37. He says, Mr. Treasurer, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. If you believe with all your heart, you may. In other words, church, salvation is by grace through faith. None of it depends on you. It's all God. You understand that, right? Romans chapter 11 verse 6 says, And if by grace, then it is no longer of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. But if it is of works, it is no longer grace. Otherwise, work is no longer work. Sounds like a bit of a confusing passage that I know. But what he's saying, church, is it's either grace or works, not grace and works. We need to understand that. Let me give you an example. If you were hanging over a cliff and 2,000 feet below you are these jagged rocks, these sharp rocks, if you fall down, you've got trouble, right? And the only thing that is holding you up is this, this, this chain of 100 links that's wrapped around your waist. 99 of those links are made of forged steel and one of them of, of hardened plastic. How safe are you? Well, as safe as that one link. And church, if any part of our salvation depends upon us, even if it is one link, we're not going to make it. Because it is by grace. Be steadfast in the desire of the Holy Spirit, church, because it is His desire that we share Jesus. And through His leading and orchestrating that we bring people unto His saving grace. You know, you can see God's hand right the way through the story. You can see the Holy Spirit working and preparing the servant Philip, working and preparing the seeking heart of a sinner, this eunuch, and working and preparing that he got the right scripture at the right time. I mean, he's reading the very best passage in the Old Testament that you could ever be reading because it's all pointing to Jesus. Everything was prepared, church, by the providence of God. The sovereign work of the Holy Spirit, the submissive will of the servant, the searching heart and worship of the sinner, and the scriptural word all working together to bring a single person unto salvation. What a miracle. But church, did you notice the difference between Simon the sorcerer and the Ethiopian eunuch? Simon wanted the power, right? This man just wanted the truth. Simon was willing to pay for the power. This man was just searching and seeking after the truth. And you may say, well, you know what? Not everybody's interested in the truth these days. And not everyone wants to get bogged down in the Bible. But church, here's an important principle we need to hold on to when we are witnessing to the gospel. 
if they are not interested in what the scripture says, they are not expressing a desperate hunger for salvation. Because if the Holy Spirit is moving in the heart and is in the work of regeneration, the Spirit will automatically drive them at the truth. If those elements are working, church, together, where you have the sovereign work of the Holy Spirit, the submissive will of the one who's willing to witness, and the searching heart and worship of the sinner, it will drive that person to the truth in Scripture. And if there is no interest in the Scripture, if there is no interest in the divine solution to the hungry heart, then you better wait for another day. But for application purposes this morning, church, because we want to make ourselves available to lead others to Jesus Christ. Amen? That's where everybody's supposed to say amen. amen. Let's just say all of those elements are in place. Let's just say that you have been obedient to the leading of the Holy Spirit. You have reacted quickly to the leading of the Holy Spirit, and you have remained steadfast in the desire of the Holy Spirit. And you're willing to share Jesus. And on top of that, you now have someone who sincerely wants to know the truth about Jesus. Is that all that is required of us? Or is there something else? Well, church, when you get there, when you get to that point, you've got to be able to explain it. You've got to be able to lead that person to Jesus. If we look at Philip, church, as our example, he was the complete evangelist. In Samaria, he's preaching to crowds and, and miracles are taking place. Large crowds are coming to him in the first half of the chapter, but he can go from that to a one-on-one -on -one encounter and an explanation of Isaiah 53. And I say this to you, church, not because you have to be a complete evangelist in every sense of the word, even though I pray that some of you would do that because the world needs evangelists. But I say this, church, because I trust and pray that as a church, we are teaching you the Word of God in a way that allows you to learn it well enough to pass it on. Whether it's on a Sunday or at Connect Group, or even if it's a more personal study that you feel that you need to get into, maybe you're watching something online. You need to know that you're not the end of that. You see, this isn't all about you being the bucket and we dump all of this in. Church, instead, you need to be the funnel. You should be the channel. You should be the conduit. It needs to go through you. Peter puts it this way in 1 Peter chapter 3. He says, Always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Always be ready. Church, wherever the question begins, start where they are and then get them to Jesus. And yes, some will plant the seed, others will water, and God will make it grow. But always be ready to give it offense, church, for the hope that is in you. Be obedient and the Lord will do the rest. And if you sit in there this morning and you're thinking, you know what, how will I know if someone has really given their heart to the Lord? Pastor, if I stick my neck out, how will I know that it's genuine? Church, I want to conclude by reading the, the last two passages in this scripture, and I'll give some, some closing words. 
Verse 38 says, So he commanded the chariot to stand still, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. That word baptized is the Greek word baptizo, and it means to be fully immersed. Right? It's not a, a sprinkling. Now, when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away so that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. Church, if you are a witness to a faith that really saves, if you are a witness to a true salvation, that person will immediately operate in obedience to God's commands, like being baptized and searching out God's truth. And there will be joy, joy, joy. There will be joy. They will never be the same because they have received newness of life. And you see, church, you can't be truly saved and live the way that you lived before. It's impossible. So how do you know if it's genuine? You know because you have been a part of this amazing miracle where you witness the sovereign work of the Holy Spirit in the submissive will of a servant in the searching heart of a sinner and the power of God's word working all together to bring one person unto salvation and a new life hungry to do God's will. And I want to say to you this morning, church, this is not a duty, it is a privilege. You and I have the privilege to be a part of God's sovereign plan as he orchestrates the salvation of a single sinner. We are recipients of the very same plan. And church, ask the Lord to lead you as we go into this Christmas season. Ask the Lord to lead you to the right people at the right time. And be ready to give it offense for the hope that is in you. Because someone is literally dying to hear it. Let's pray. Father, we are again in awe of your word this morning. We are in awe of your truth. Every word is true. Every word is pure, like silver refined seven times in a furnace. Thank you for these examples of early church encounters that are so instructive and helpful to us. And Lord, may we be faithful like Philip was. May we be the instruments that you use Vessels of honor, fit for your use, ready for your use. And when the opportunity comes to witness to your saving grace, that you would empower us to say exactly what needs to be said. Prepare us, Lord, to give it offense for the hope that is in us and lead us into situations where we would know, Lord, that it is only by your divine appointment and purpose that we would find ourselves there. We thank you today, Lord, that we have the privilege to lead others into your kingdom. And may we find ourselves faithful to this calling until we see you face to face. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Church, would you stand? I'd just like to send you off with a blessing this morning. And please don't forget to join us in the Connect Cafe, especially those visitors that have been joining us over the past couple of months, we'd love to meet with you. Would you raise your hands to heaven? May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. 
May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Can we just lift up the name of Jesus in this place, church? If you love him this morning, would you shout amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being with us today. We look forward to seeing you again next Sunday. Be blessed.